Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. Mox on the Mic, back with you for a, another week, and we've got a uh, another great conversation. Uh, we The last time we talked with Torres Finney, he was getting ready to go to Vegas to fight in front of Dana White for an opportunity uh, at a UFC contract. And Torres got that opportunity. He went and he won his fight. He'll tell you more about that coming up in just a minute. Of course, Torres, a, a former a Chattanooga football player, was a wrestler here. Uh, probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet until you have to step into the octagon with him. And then he's a little bit of a different guy. Always enjoy getting a chance to catch up with Torres Finney. And he is our guest this week on Mox on the Mic. Torres, last time we got a chance to uh, to catch up, man, you were getting ready to um, uh, fight in a, uh, what would you call that? Was it, I mean, I don't want to call it an audition, but, but it was an opportunity for you to fight in front of the UFC folks. A little bit about, what what was that called? Um, it's called, well, in, in a way, it's typically is an audition, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's called the Dana White Contender Series, you know, fight for an opportunity at a UFC contract. And uh, I had a great opportunity to be able to go in there and do that. You know, I definitely was able to go in there and uh, showcase some of my skill set. And um, I was excited for the opportunity I had. I was excited for the entire experience. And I just, um, you know, what, the only thing that's in my control is going there and winning the fight, which is the one thing I did. Well, and you, uh, you pummeled the poor guy. Um, so you were able to get the win, but you know, a little bit about how that went down for you and the aftermath of it. So what was the outcome you fight, you win. What was next? Well, next, the thing is, you know, you, you once all the winners, um, they, they all get seated and Dana White, you know, gets up there and then he calls out each contestant. Um, you know, talks about their fight, talks about them, and then talks about whether they got a contract or not. And unfortunately for me, I did not get a contract. Um, but I mean, that to me, to me, I, I, I literally, I mean, yeah, for a second, I was like, well, freak. Um, but literally, probably about ten minutes later, I was like, well, it is what it is. Because in my, in, in my, in my opinion, and the way I've always been, as long as I continue to keep winning and continue to keep going out there and dominating whoever they put in front of me, everything else will fall into place. And, you know, he, he said I was very young. Um, I needed a little bit more experience, which is which is true in both cases. Um, I've only been fighting MMA uh, professionally for two years. And um, where I've gotten to in the span of two years is very rare for a lot of MMA fighters. Um, you know, at that stage of their career, you know, most guys professionally in two years, they're still – looking for more fights. They're still on the regional scenes, looking for a lot more opportunities. And I was blessed to be able to go in there and fight on Dana White contender series, you know? So obviously they think something of me. They thought I was almost, I was close enough to being ready, but obviously he thinks I should get a little, few more experiences. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I, like I said, regardless of whether I got a contract or not, I still have to go out there and win my next fight. So uh, that's still the goal, regardless of what happens. So, you talk about going from a from kind of being a regional fighter to taking that next step onto the national stage. Where are you in that progress in that transition? Well, currently, you know, I'm still 
technically I'm still a regional fighter. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that's been in the works lately. Um, but overall, you know, I'm I'm still grinding. There's nothing nothing really changes. Uh um, obviously there's, there's been talks with my management team and others, you know, about potential opportunities. And there's also been talks about, you know, short notices for the UFC in that, in that regards. But right now I'm just continuing to train. You know, I've already said I'm, I'm, I'm done for this year. You know, my goal every year is to get three fights in on the year. Um, last year I was fortunate to get four. Um, but this year I'm just going to take the three, had a few injuries here and, here and there. So my goal right now is just to get healthy and uh, come back strong starting off the year. So what is it for you? Do you feel like it is, is it a technique thing that you need to improve on? What do they want to see from you? Well, you know, you know, Dana White had did his press conference and uh, he, he felt like there was some areas, there, there was some holes in my game. He felt like I definitely needed to correct. Um, I feel like you can say that about any MMA fighter um, overall. Um, I felt like some of the guys that he's given to the contract for this season and overall had a lot of holes in their games, more, way more than I do. But I don't necessarily care for that in, in that regards because, again, I say if I go in there and win, regardless of who, because, heck, the guy they brought on the show, you know, Yuri Panfarov, I mean, he was undefeated. He never lost as an amateur. Uh, Yuri was on Dana White looking for a fight. Um, he was the – Technically, the projected guy that they, in in a way, wanted to win because of his fan base. Um, and I just, you know, I, I went on there and played upset. So, uh, I mean, it is what it is in that regards. And you just keep playing upset. I mean, what can anybody say? So, um, I'm just going to continue to keep going out there and doing me and keep on grinding and uh, let the cars fall where they lay. The fact is, Torres, if you keep winning, they can't ignore you, right? Yes, sir. That's right. How do you how do you get a fight schedule together? Like how does it how does it come about? Is there promoters that come to you and say, "Hey, I've got an event. I want you on this card. We're going to find somebody for you to fight." Because I would imagine now at the the stage that you are at in this, you don't want to fight just anybody. You're looking to fight somebody that will help you and kind of raise your profile, right? 100%, 100%, you know, I actually, some people, some people really don't understand that in that regards, but yes, um, no, I'm, I'm not a guy that's going to go out there and just fight any, any, anybody. Um, I'm going to go out there and fight somebody that helps me, helps me towards my improving my career, you know, um, heck the thing is before this point, which is funny is, um, it was so hard for me to find fights anyway. You know, we a little bit thinking like, okay, this is a huge break, you know, need me going on here and fighting. Now, you know, being on a, any type of contract and, you know, having more of a scheduled fights. But now with that not being the case, you know, we have to continue to find fights. Um, you know, different promotions uh, are looking for me fights, but it's hard. You know, I'm one of the hardest guys. Um, some say I'm in the, one of the hardest guys in the country to match up because of my fight style. You know, it's hard for guys to just want to fight me regardless on how, how long they have, you know, and even other prospects, you know, I've tried to fight other prospects and, and as fun as it sounds, we tried to fight Yuri on the regional scenes. Now, little did we know we was going to be fighting him on the contender series, but you know, the thing was you, you don't, some guys just don't take certain risks because like, why would I fight this guy for this amount of pay when I can fight him on a bigger stage for more pay? So guys look, look at it in that regards, but, you got some other guys that just aren't willing to take the risk and willing to try to beat around the bush to get towards where they need to. So um, 
it has been hard for me in that regard. Um, it is hard for me to find fights, but um, we definitely have some really good guys um, on my team. You know, I have some really good sponsors. So, um, you know, we really try to improve the pay every time for our opponents. You know, most of the time, well, I will say for my, probably my last four to five fights, um, my opponents have gotten paid more than I have, even though I've been the one to sell the card. So, <laughs> but it is what it is. I have to get the opponent. You know, we're not looking at the pay for now. We're looking at the pay for uh, down the line. So that's always the case. So a, a couple of a couple of things here. Uh, one, when people watch uh, UFC and or they see, and I would encourage everybody go go follow Torres on social media. Uh, it's 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 amazing to watch this guy tear into people. But when people watch that, they see, oh, this is some sort of barbarian, you know, barbaric like sport of two guys just wailing on each other. We talked a moment ago about the technique. Can you speak a little more about that? Um, yeah. in, in regards to look, this isn't just, this isn't street fighting. This is, there is, there is technique, there is strategy, all of that in play here. Yeah, man. You know, look, I've been wrestling for nearly all my life. And, you know, when I first came to Agogi and started training, you would think that, okay, I have a little bit more of an advantage. Uh, these guys don't even want to wrestle. They just want to sit down on their butt and just play jujitsu. And boy, it's a whole different world on them on that mat. <laughs> man, it's a whole different world. It's more than just wrestling. It's more than just jujitsu. It's more than just boxing. And heck, it's more than just Muay Thai, which is uh, basically kickboxing, you know, elbows and knees and all that stuff in that regards. But, man, the technique parts of MMA is just it's, it's so, so wide in variety. Um, you know, you could be really good in this one area, but you have a few flaws in the other. Um, I, I, I went when I went to uh, Vegas and uh, Florida, you know, some of the coaches, Hall of Fame coaches I would talk to, they, they, they would be saying that it's hard for any fighter, even in some of the greatest of all times to have all bases covered. John Jones, you know, one of the greatest of all times. If you actually go back and look how many clean straight up knockouts he got, he doesn't have many at all. He probably only have two or three. Majority of all his fights, he takes guys down to sub submit them or ground and pound. You know, it's like, and he's a really solid striker. He is. He's dynamic, but he only has like, but he doesn't have necessarily the power or he don't necessarily have some of the speed that some of these other guys has. Like, there's always strength and flaws in MMA. It's hard for somebody to have it all. You can be really good at Taekwondo, but you might not have the grappling. You can be really good in grappling, but you not might have the boxing. You can be really good in boxing, but you not, might not have the jiu-jitsu. You can be really good in all phases, but you not might not have the speed or the cardio. So there's just like really hard parts of the game of MMA that when you're growing, you know, you try your best to find all parts and you try to find what's best for you that can fit your game. Um, you just don't go around training in all a bunch of different areas. You know, like the old saying Bruce Lee says, I'd rather train one move 10,000 times than train 10,000 moves one time. So, and that's the same case for MMA. You train your strengths. Granted, you work on your weaknesses and you try to create them to turn into, them into strength and make sure they're not your flaws. But you want to continue to elevate your strength as much as possible because that's going to be what you go to once you go into the fight. When the fire gets hot, you're going to rely on what you always do. And I need your strengths to be a, the is a plus game every time. You talk about uh, you come from a, a wrestling background. You got a football background. You did both here at UTC. You, being a football guy, you're used to sitting down and watching film. 
Do you do that in as an MMA fighter? What do you watch for? Do you have a quote-unquote scouting report, so to speak, on the guy that you're going up against? Yes, I do. And I that comes from me ever since, like you say, that's the football player in me. I've been doing that ever since I was in high school. Um, heck, you can probably go back a little bit further from middle school, too. Like I will watch film on all of my opponents all the time. And my goal would be, all right, if your favorite move is this, I'm going to take it away from you. You got to beat me with your second or third best. Um, and then that's the same way I look at when I fight, man. I, I look at all tendencies. I just don't even watch your latest fight. You know, I don't I mean, I care for I definitely care for your latest fight. because That's the most that's the best product you put out since before you about to fight me. But I also go back and watch their early amateur fights and some of their early other, you know, competitive com combative things. You know, I try to see if they quit a little bit in some of their older stuff. I try to see have they improved. You know, sometimes I watch film on guys. And they still do some of the same techniques they were doing as an amateur. It just improves slightly. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you don't, you haven't gotten better in this area. And I always think like, if you haven't gotten better in this area in the span of five or six, seven to 10 years, then by the time you fight me in a few weeks, you're not going to get me better in that area. And I've been right on when I watch film and break down opponents, I, I've been right on exactly what I know is coming in that cage every single time. So um, I've, it's very rare that I go in there and I get surprised. Um, so, and, and I have a, a lot of really good training partners that are really good at being able to emulate um, the techniques of my opponent. So it, it's not like I'm going in there blinded. I, I know exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking I'm, now the speed, obviously that comes, that's the timing and things. Obviously you would never be 100% ready for anybody's timing because that you're not going against them exactly. But uh, I'm an offensive type fighter, so once I get my pressure going, you know, they're going to be fighting at my pace. But, yes, film watching is huge for me because of, the, the like I said, the football player in me. <laughs> Do you think that gives you a little bit of a leg up maybe on some of these guys because you understand the scouting aspect and the work that has to go into it? Yes, you know, a lot of these guys that I know fighters, heck, even some of my teammates, you know, they're not the only ones. I talk to other, a lot of other fighters. They say they'll watch film probably one time and be like, okay, that's it. You know, they say they don't like to watch film. A lot of fighters surprisingly say they don't like to watch a lot of film on their on their opponents. And it's and it's wild to me, <laughs> you know, that they don't like to do that. But um, for me, I, I definitely – I love watching film. And I feel like that it gives me the utmost um, advantage in that regards because, heck, I know people got film on me out there. I mean, there's a lot of film on me out there. <laughs> but <laughs> – but I watch a lot of film on them, man, and I definitely stay uh, dedicated to always looking at small techniques. Um, I try to work on everything. I try to work on all. If you won by this way, well, I'm going to take that away from you. You know, you're not going to beat me in that regard, in that in that situation. So I watch film on everything. I do. I watch it all the way down to the to the T. Um, for those eight weeks, I'm watching you every single day. You you what you wanted the last thing I watch when I go to sleep, and you wanted the first thing I watch when I wake up. So. That's just me. <laughs> What's it like to get a tap out? Man, to get a submission. So uh, that's technically the second submission in my career, but that's the first one in my professional career. Um, now, the first submission was my last amateur fight, and I submitted the guy with a head and arm choke, and the referee didn't tell if he was out or not, and he was unconscious, and <laughs> so he went to sleep in that in that fight. But this guy, I, I definitely knew I had him reeling. You know, I, I tell a lot of people that, have, you know, asked me about the fight. 
you know, when did you know the finish was coming? And I said, I knew the finish was coming when I took him down that last time and his urgency to move um, was not there no more. And I can just feel him break. You know, I can feel the quit in him at, at, towards that, towards the middle of that second round. And once I got the Renick and choke in deep and then I got my Gable grip tight, um, he, unless he was going to, fight it out, he was going to sit there in that position, belly down with that rear naked choke for two and a half minutes. So I was not going to wait. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, he, he tapped out pretty quickly because it was in a really bad position. And I was on the, under the neck on the on the, uh, on the the carotid artery. So uh, he, he didn't have much to go. So he was he was going to be there or he was going to go to sleep. So, uh, yeah, getting, getting that submission win, I mean, it's one of the – obviously, you know, getting a knockout is one of those beautiful things. But also getting a submission win, that's – that's definitive. That means, you know, you basically you say I quit, you know, I, I can no longer continue. So having that tap out is uh, it, it's definitely one of those uh, big time moments you can get in a fight. Torres, I've known you for a while now. I saw you at the football game on Saturday. Um, you're a specimen, but you're a guy. You look like you have gotten leaner from when I yeah. saw you last. Is that a is that a good description of, of Torres Finney right now? Yes, sir. No, 100%. You know, I can't, I cannot, uh, <laughs> I can't be weighing how much I weigh, uh, like I used to when I was playing football. You know, when I was playing football, I was walking around, yeah. I was walking around like 230 to 240 a little bit. And, uh, that, that, that was me being big. You know, heck, the highest I got up to was my sophomore year. I got up to 250. That was huge. So, uh, no, I cannot carry that weight no more. Now, right now, walking around, you know, two twenty to about, you know, two eighteen to two twenty, um, outside of camp. But when I get into fight camp, I try to get my, I get my weight down to about two ten, between two fifteen and two ten, and then on fight week, I'm right around two o five, so I can get ready for the cut to uh, one eighty five. What's your body fat? Uh, so we have a body fat machine here. It it, it, it consistently around. 14 to 16 percent some people think uh because now the machine is based off it, it it thinks some people think the machine is based off uh is wrong a little bit because you don't see many guys my height weighing 215 pounds 220 pounds um and they're in a healthy shape you know i'll never forget when i went to the doctor and you know they saw a guy that's five foot seven and it's like, okay, he's 220. Well, at that time I was in college, I was 240 pounds. So they obviously thought I was obese. But <laughs> but I was uh once they walked in, it's like, okay, you're not obese at all. But um it, it says between 14 and 16. I wouldn't be surprised if it actually is, but I mean it is what it is in that regards. It probably helps, it's probably good for me. It helps to cut weight. When I cut weight, I get down. I mean, I get down about six to seven <laughs> percent when I'm at 185. Wow. So I am very wow. low when I'm at 85. Yes, sir. That's incredible. So what is your workout routine like right now? Do you go, are you going seven days a week in the gym? Um, yes, I'm training consistently, but the intensity of the training is not um, like it is in a fight camp. Right now, um, I'm training one to two times a day. Um, you know, I have my strength conditioning, so sometimes it could turn into three. But overall, it's not it's nothing too crazy. Like strength and conditioning for me is only Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. We're in campus every day. Um, obviously, we're not lifting every day, but we're doing some type of work uh, dealing with strength or conditioning, dealing with the cardio aspect. Um, but right now, it's just Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Um, I train about every day. 
uh, either some sort in striking or grappling. So I'm just doing small things to help improve my skill set um, and up until a fight. And that this is the part about staying in shape because let's just say I get a call about a potential fight in four or five weeks. I can easily turn it around, turn up the intensity, and I'll be ready. You know, I don't have to worry about getting into shape to get ready for a fight when you just stay ready and stay in shape the entire time. That's the point of training full time, uh, you know, just being able to train consistently uh, full time, you know, with no efforts to look forward to anything else and always being ready. So whenever the call comes, I'm able to step up to the plate. What's next now? You talk about you're not fighting anymore or you don't have plans to fight anymore for the rest of this year. What are your plans for 2024 and when do you think you'll be back at it? Um, plans for 2024 is to go out there and uh, do the same thing, man. Go out here and finish the year, uh, start the year strong. Um, the goal is actually try to get, I'm gonna try to get two two fights in the start of the year. Hopefully, try to get two fights in before April, so I can try to do a quick turnaround. Um, um, that that's the goal. Um, now don't know what's going to happen, obviously, because like I said, we management teams is in talks with uh certain promotions and. I'm also in talks with UFC, so that could be some 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 things that can obviously alter those plans. But right now, the plan is to go in, get two fights in before April, and uh, see what's up. You know, I'm one of the top prospects in the country, and you know, it's already hard for me to find fights. So we got promoters already looking now <laughs> for potential matchups. But right now, I have nothing in the plans or nothing in the works. But those are currently the goals, and we're just waiting to see. Torres, you're my guy, man. I, I love watching you, and it's been fun following you on this journey, and I'm uh, I'm excited for what's to come, man. So best of luck, and uh, we'll do this again soon, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Chris. Hey, thanks to Torres for giving us some time. Thanks to you for being with us. Thanks to our producer, Tate Johnson, who sets it all up and makes it all happen. We'll be back with you again next week on Mox on the Mic. Until then, so long, and go Mox. Thanks for listening to Mox on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review. And we'll see you again soon.